Hey guys, welcome back to Make Pods Great Again. We've got a great guest tonight, but before we jump into that, Nikki, let's talk about our sponsor, Mobility Movement. Yeah, it's been so cool having them as a sponsor, um, especially because we've been given access to the app, which for me has been like such a godsend. Well, I'm just not good at doing mobility and having access to a whole bunch of different programs at different like lengths and times. So I can, you know, if I'm really into it and feeling really motivated, which doesn't happen often, I can do one of the 20 or 30 minute pieces um, that are longer and really like get all in all them nooks and crannies that need to be stretched. But if I need just like a quick little thing to get me out of my office chair, then I can do like a 10 minute thing. And all of a sudden I'm not like old and creaky and cracky and need an extra 20 minutes in my warm up for my wad. Why you got to do me like that? You know, that's, you just described me to a T, but I'm enjoying <laughs> it too. So it, it helps if you're old and creaky and making all those sounds when you get up. Uh, and for me, I think recently, particularly in, in light of all the craziness in the world since uh, all of 2020, I might add, right. yeah, uh, seriously. it certainly will give you a moment of zen. And I think that's important is to kind of find that meditative moment where you can not only help your mobility, but just kind of collect your thoughts and, and yeah. feel better about yourself. So I hope all you guys want to go try it. Uh, download the app. You can get it at Apple Store. You can get it on Android, You know, any, whatever you guys are using these days. And uh, we've got a promo code for you. So uh, MPGA25. You get 25% discount on the first invoice for any recurring membership. So the monthly membership with the discount is going to be $7.45 after the trial period, or you can do the six-month membership if you're not scared of commitment, much like myself. <laughs> and uh, that's $42.74 after the trial period. So get either one of those. I think you'll love it. 25% off again. That's MPGA25. Mobility Movement is the app. So with that, we're going to go on to the show. Welcome to Make Pods Great Again. I'm your host, John Woolley, back for like the hundredth night in a row, I think. Nick, how many nights have we done this now? I've lost count, but you know what? There's plenty to talk about, so happy to be back. There's always plenty to talk about, and our special mm -hmm. guest tonight, Adrian Conway, games athlete extraordinaire. What's going on, man? Hey. Oh, everything is going on, but I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be on this show with you guys tonight. Yeah, we're excited to have you. A good attitude to have, all things considered. <laughs> I feel like I feel like my house is on fire and all my stuff is burning down inside of it. It's just See, crazy. It, it it is crazy, and I'm the kind of guy that'd be like, "Well, at least we got a, at least we got a house. Let's put this fire out and let's let's keep it safe." You are so right. You're so right. Oh, right. Totally. Well, it's, and it's been really quiet on the news front today. Like every time I'd open my phone, I like do it with catch breath. Like, oh my god, what am I gonna find now? And then there's right. nothing. I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Let's just have a let's just have a quiet day. I told myself I'm not even going to do any mean memes. They're just all going to be nice, you know. And I stuck I stuck to that. <laughs> Was that weird for you? No, because then you know my followers are so rude. They'd come in and make fake offended posts oh, underneath, okay. you know. So it was still kind of fun. That's amazing. Yeah. What a culture you've created with that. Seriously. I, I don't know what to think of it. To be honest, I have I honestly have mixed feelings about it. Um. I do like that part's really funny to me. There's so many people that you get to know and not only by name, but you like you talk to them and, and just the volume of DMS is really fun. But there are times like I, I went, I was bored last night. So I was like, I'm going to go live and just answer some questions. Cause a lot of people just have questions, you know, and just give my opinion to people. 
And I was doing that for a while. And I met some really nice people that had like really good questions and, you know, got some great feedback, but I'm kind of watching the comment thread and people start fighting in the comments and it just kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Like, Mm. you know, people fighting over things they have no, you know, like they wouldn't do that in real life. Like you wouldn't just walk up to somebody and go, I hate those shorts. You're a jerk. Get educated. You know, it's like you wouldn't do that, but online people feel comfortable to do that. And it's just, I don't know, it, it starts to weigh on you after a while in the volume that I tend to see it in, but can't stop it. So there it is. Feel bad for me, Nikki. Feel bad for me. I do feel bad for you because I feel (laughs) like lately sort of that's been the name of the game in terms of all the craziness that's happened in the world. And then the craziness that's spilled over into the CrossFit world. I just feel like the name of the game is like, just don't be a jerk. Please, everyone, can everyone just... Can I can I show you what redeems it for me, though? Being a jerk. Yeah. So when uh, I reached out to Adrian to get him on the show, it's because he did this post, like, right when all this stuff was going down about uh, having to learn about himself because his parents are different. He has a white dad and a black mom, so he's biracial. And he posted this photo. I want you to look at baby Adrian here. Oh my there, God. There are First two of all, wait a minute. Wait, before we even get to baby Adrian, yep, say look it. at yeah. that, that haircut on your dad. Yes. Dude, yes. So yes. Good. The mullet. Yes. It's real. That's it's what jumped real. out at me. So I saw it. I'm like, look at that mullet and mustache. Oh my God. It's so epic. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately we lost my dad. My dad passed when I was 16. Oh. However, what a legend, right? And and when I look back at photos and I see that mullet, I'm like, man. And several people actually commented on that photo and they're like, listen, AC, great words. We appreciate it. But you've clearly got the genes to rock a mullet like that. So let's go ahead yes. and see it. So show us the mullet. So I might be growing my hair out. I might not be. We'll, we'll see how this goes and we'll see how long the wife can tolerate it. But well, she's gone. I, so we'll see. <laughs> I had yes, a mullet. I'm that's- here for it. I totally had a mullet in that era. So that's when I looked at it. I'm like, oh. I had, I had that haircut. It was, it just jumped out at me. It was did you so have awesome. like mullet envy when you saw it? I did. That one's way better than mine. <laughs> way better. <laughs> I could grow one now. I could grow a skullet. Oh, don't you think? Oh, bad luck. It'd be yeah, a bad luck. No, it's like a, it's the ultimate creeper look. Yeah, so maybe. Stay away. Stay away. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that post, I know it was sort of like what started your conversation, the two of you and having Adrian on, and I'm really glad you're here. I'm, I'm so excited to just kind of hear your perspective on all the things that have been going on and, and what you have to say. So I guess just start us off by, you know, how are you doing? Where is your head at? How have all these sort of recent events transpired and, and affected you? Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, because I certainly feel, and this might, this might even sound a little cliche, but I certainly feel awakened. Hmm. Um, and, and the reason is because as a, as a biracial individual growing up my entire life, it's like a lot of these issues had always been on my personal concern. Um, meaning that, you know, for, for a lot of my, my life, and I've shared this with my wife and some close friends and family, even as I've kind of gone through the process the last two and a half weeks or so of kind of like internal reflection, what this means for me as an individual, a leader, a husband, a father. And, uh, you know, the, the vast majority of my life, I've been really concerned with me. And not necessarily on this soul selfish level, but it was mainly in like, okay, if I'm a minority, if I'm a black male and I am doing the right things, I can be an example. I can lead the way I can, if I can make it, others can make it right type approach. Um, and you know, the sad truth is that that's not true. Um, we see one-off successes from hundreds of African-Americans that have made very well off to do generational wealth, widely uh, sought after for their success or their leadership or their influence. 
Uh, but it really takes uh, purposeful effort and empathy in order to really affect the masses. And even when it's referring to blacks specifically, or we lead the conversation then into other minorities, um, and even in general, people in need, for me personally, it's like, well, so what am I doing uh, for this movement and for these people? Um, what am I doing to utilize my influence, my reach in order to do that? So for me personally, um, when I look at the tweets and the Instagram posts and the movement, as much of it can be uh, very standoffish, right? We see a lot of people combating one another. We see a lot of people uh, taking harsh stances either on the far left or far right or whatever it might be. I'm happy about it. And the reason is because this is a necessity and it's a necessary part for people to understand uh, that, yes, we may have radical differences and we may have different perspectives and point of views on how things need to be executed and how things need to be changed. But you'll hear a common echo that, okay, yes, something does need to happen. And it might not be everybody yelling, you know, to defund the police or to to reform completely our judicial system. But at some level, there's still those hints of even from that particular individual saying, well, we can't defund the police, but yeah, we, we should do something, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's going to be a common interest and common ground that comes out of the result of this. And I'm, as, as weird as it does sound, though, I am happy at the conversation that's taking place because I believe that we'll come out better because of all this. You're so right. I was just having this conversation with someone today because, you know, recently I, I feel like in, in our little, like I keep calling it our um, CrossFit microcosm, like it's this little world that we know that has, uh, you know, been directly affected by all of the issues that have been happening all over the world. And so many people I, I've talked to have just said, like, I just want to go back to like working out with my friends you know what I mean? Like it's a lot of, it's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to think about. It's heavy conversation and difficult things to, to deal with and to face head on. And so there's this overwhelming um, thought that just like, can we just like go back to being fitness, please? And in my mind, like, of course, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I wish there was less drama to deal with and less hate being spewed on all sides of this. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm glad that there's change afoot. Like, you know, no revolution was ever calm and quiet and easy. And there is no doubt in my mind that change has to happen. So even if it's difficult and even though it's tough to, to face head on, like it, no one is saying, even when we say like, we want to just go back to fitness, like no one is saying that change doesn't need to take place. And it's very evident right now that that is exactly what's happening for the better. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. It's a lot though. Are you tired? You just feel yes. like emotionally drained? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely. I mean, there've been days where I've need to purposefully, you know, maybe make a post and then disperse from social media. Yeah. Right. Because I, I didn't have the bandwidth. Um, I was, I was kind of like, uh, to the brim of my grace meter, you know, people say <laughs> things and people, uh, people, you know, make harsh decisions and, and use harsh words, just like, just like we were talking about earlier, you know, people can pop off and say whatever they want on social media. And it's very hard to, uh, hold back. Um, I can be, uh, I can, I can cut, you know, with my words and Mm -hmm. I can utilize them as a weapon. And I've really tried not to do that. Um, you know, I got, you know, good people around me that remind me of that, like my wife on a regular basis, you know, I can, she probably gets, gets the worst of it, of course, but you know, from, from the idea of that, it's hard because you feel like you're walking on eggshells, right? Yeah. Um, and for me specifically, I, I, I try to do the best that I can uh, to remain as Christ-like as possible. And, and that is hard in today's world, 
like beyond, beyond measure. It's hard for me to be patient. It's hard for me to love people. Mm. It's hard for me to turn the other cheek. It is hard. And it's way harder to live that way than it is to just say what I want to say mm-hmm. and not care what anybody thinks and to be ruthless and brutal because I can be all those things. And innately in my human heart, I am. Um, so yeah, I'm exhausted. You better believe that that, <laughs> that is 100% true. Uh, but, but that's how I'm called to be, you know, and, and it takes the, that extra effort and extra work to really be able to act out of love. Cause I think when I think about love as a verb, that's what it is, right? It's not necessarily saying immediately what you think and feel. It's about thinking about how that other person is going to react to it. How are they going to respond? You know, is someone going to join my side of this perspective and take my perspective? If I'm only talking down to them, if I'm only, you know, belittling their thought process or, you know, telling them that, oh, well, the only reason you think that is because you've had everything handed to you, mm. right? It, it, the, no, all the answers to those things are no. Um, so to really kind of shape mind, shape relationships and kind of change this thing, it takes that extra bit of effort, and which is, like you mentioned, exhausting. <laughs> I think so much of what, especially John and I have been discussing lately is along those lines in terms of where, how do we move forward given sort of the actions that Greg Glassman has taken um, and, you know, the response from CrossFit, the apology that now so many people are sort of divided on, like, yes, this is a good stepping stone. It's the path forward. We can use it to move on or like, no, this came too late. This is disingenuous. I, I don't know how to, you know, I don't believe it. I don't deal with it. Like that, that's sort of like preach preaching of forgiveness and learning and unity is, is, oddly enough, dividing people <laughs> right now in terms of everything that's happening with our sport and how we move on. What, what's sort of your take on, on where we're at these days? You know, this is, and, and this is a specific topic clearly. So, you know, when, when I speak, I'm, I'm clearly speaking my personal opinion and, and what I see everything. I just want to make sure that everyone understands that like, I'm not speaking for anyone. I'm not right. speaking for other people that have worked for each two. I'm not speaking for other affiliate owners. And so, what I've seen take place and, and, and I've gotten to meet Greg and I'm familiar with Greg throughout my years as a member of seminar staff and also competing at the games. Right. Um, I don't believe Greg is inherently a racist. Um, with that also being said, he made a huge mistake. He made several mistakes and I was l- more discouraged uh, from the zoom call information that was released. than I was discouraged about his tweet. Mm-hmm. Right. If you guys, if you guys know Greg, if you've interacted with him at all, if you've heard him speak and understand the battles that he's currently, uh, you know, uh, obsessed with, if you will, right? Like he's consumed uh, by truth, and he is consumed by echoing and yelling things from the rooftops, and even if that means, you know, tearing down these other organizations, which we've seen. And I say all that to preface that he can be very singularly focused. Mm. not so much aware of the statement and the brashness that that was going to make. And even when he said as a staff, we don't mourn George Floyd, like, ah, of course that was the terribly wrong thing to say, but I don't think that he meant it in a hateful way towards George Floyd. He meant that in a way like that's not our lane. That's not our concern. Now, was it timely? Was it accurate? Absolutely not. It wasn't. He certainly didn't speak for me when he said that he, did, he certainly didn't speak to the rest of our seminar staff, which is now of course, why we're here having this conversation. Um, do I think that his apology was up to par? I don't. I don't believe that any written apology after such um, words that are spoken, such an insensitivity is acceptable. I think that there needed to be something done. I wanted to see face. I wanted to hear voice um, because there's a way for me to measure as a human uh, your authenticity there. And I want to see that. And I want, I want to hear what your thoughts are. And even if we don't agree on everything, I, I, I think there's that human nature 
part of being able to see and hear those words. Um, this move to have Dave as CEO, I'm a huge fan of it. Um, I, I do know Dave on more of a personal level than I ever knew Greg. And I consider Greg, uh, Dave a friend. Um, I do believe that he is much more in touch with the community, the needs, the wants, the voices, the experiences that are happening out there. Um, but it's, it's such a loaded, uh, moment in time. Like there's so many different things. And the sad truth is that like, of course, the, the statements from Greg Glassman, um, the, the lack of backing to the black community from CrossFit HQ, um, and so many other things were kind of like, they were a huge deal, right? And mm-hmm. it did, it did hurt me as an individual. I'm not going to front and say that it did not. It, it disappointed me. Um, but the truth of the matter is that this was kind of like the final straw that broke the camel's back, right? right? That for so many affiliate owners, like it was immediate. And, and of course, I say this not to speak badly upon anyone. However, there were a lot of people that really stepped up to the plate saying they were walking away. And we know they were walking away anyways, right? So right. I, so don't, I've been I don't want everyone yeah. to pretend like, yeah, let's not, let's not all pretend that we made this decision to walk away with the CrossFit uh, in, our, in our branding or in our whatever, simply because Greg, you thought Greg was a racist, right? Because that's not true. Um, but, but it certainly put the writing on the wall for a lot of gyms, which I also can understand. And I think this move with Dave, the CEO can potentially even combat some of those issues that some of these other affiliates were having. Um, I I'm still, to be very honest with you, um, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I, I didn't resign my spot from CrossFit because to me, Greg never spoke for me. Right. And I right. love CrossFit. I love what CrossFit has become. Uh, certainly there are its limitations and things that we hadn't focused on as an HQ things that affiliates would love uh, support with and and voices and faces that need to be heard and seen more within the community. Um, but I'm still waiting because I still think that there are some things that need to happen, some things that need to be echoed to the community. Um, so as for me and my affiliate, we're still going to be uh, prop, you know, changing the way that our gym is called. Certainly we are living victory CrossFit. Um, we're still kind of deciding that whether we're going to truly be an affiliate uh, in existence. I'm unsure. Mm-hmm. I think CrossFit still has some things to show me and I'm sure the rest of the community feels that way. Um, but what I, what I wasn't such a fan of is just people just diving right off the deep end immediately. Right. Right. Because right. we've built this community for the last, what, 15 years or so. And it's really sad to see how quickly um, it can go bad off of one person's actions. No, I totally agree. And we've been discussing that kind of going back and forth because I agree that it was like, that was fast. Like just being like, nope, no. And, but I, I do understand the mentality. Like if it really spoke to your heart to say, I don't stand with this statement. I don't stand with this man at the center, at the forefront of this company. And so I no longer want to be affiliated, like my full respect. I just like, on the one hand, I think that was a fast move. On the other hand, I wonder if we absolutely needed those affiliates to do so in order to spark real change, because would, you know, would, would management over there have said, okay, let's think about bringing Dave in as CEO if 1200 affiliates hadn't left. I don't know. Meanwhile, I'm talking to the owner of my affiliate who is thinking about whether or not that's the right move for him. And he wrote this letter and I was like, sleep on it, (laughs) you know, just see how you feel tomorrow because it's a, it's a big decision to make overnight. So I see it from all sides. I don't know what's right. Well, and I I appreciate your opinion on it, Adrian, because we've had um, so many people reach out to us that, you know, the ones that are leaving are are so hardcore about leaving and the ones that are staying are scared to say they're staying for fear of being either labeled a racist or, you know, just being labeled in general. Like I was talking to an affiliate owner and I've had a couple instances where affiliate owners have told me, you know, my members are telling me if I don't leave, they'll leave me. Yes. So they're, I they're heard being, that too. You know, they're being bullied into leaving. And, um, 
you know, I, I love your, your story here of, you know, let's wait and see, like, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't have to jump out the door today, but you should be thoughtful about it, which you clearly are. So I think, you know, your words are going to be incredibly helpful to a lot of people. Um, I've also really appreciated what you have been posting. You mentioned earlier about, you know, the posts you've been doing and, and you've had a, a lot of narrative around forgiveness, which I personally think is, is really, really important. I didn't, when I looked at it and read it and correct me if I'm wrong, I kind of want your perspective on it. I didn't view it as forgiveness toward Greg, although, you know, you could make that argument. I, I viewed it more of forgiving each other. Was that what your intent or what were your, what was your intent around the post? My intent was that I think it's just what we need to hear, you know, and it's what we need to understand. And and from the perspective of Greg as an individual, like, let's all pretend that that we have the reach that he had or that we have the influence that he had or, or has or that we were the CEO of whatever company. And we made a mistake and we made a we made a statement that was completely insensitive and it was completely erroneous. Like we've said some things behind closed doors. We've said some things to our spouse. We've said some things to someone that we're close with. Of course, it's not Twitter, right? And of course, there were other things that loomed, uh, which we're familiar with, but we, we can't really just take things and spot people that one opportunity or that one sentence or those six sentences and hold their whole lives to the fire based off of things. And it's not the right thing to do. It's certainly not what I'm called to do. And, I, and I'm truly thankful that people aren't out there judging me like that. And I hope that even my words on this podcast aren't judged like that, that harshly, because if that were the case, we'd, we'd all just be trying to send each other, all everyone to the death chair, right? And then, you know, whatever, whatever we're doing, it's, the, the penalties would be so steep. And so with my posts, I just want to stimulate that like mind heart connection where it's like, okay, hold on a second. Like, could we just pause for this moment? And could we really take in like, there's so many things to consider, first of all, but forgiveness is the one, right? Like, okay, can I take this moment? Um, I'm not going to forget about it. No one's going to forget about it. This is ever going to be a part of the CrossFit community in history, but can we make it a positive thing? Can we make this the moment and allow this to be the catalyst where it was like, you know what? CrossFit was blind to this. They tried to be a movement and a model for health, which of course is a model for your mentality and your mindset. And we completely ignored these you know, sociological and racial issues that are such a large part of someone's health and well-being in any part of the world, right? We can't ignore that um, and expect to be the tip of the spear when it comes to moving um, someone's health, right, away from whatever it is, chronic disease or whatever we're trying to help treat them. Uh, so, I, so I think that's just a big part of it because CrossFit is so much bigger than you know, even right now, sometimes what we can bring up in conversation, it's so much larger, the things that it's trying to protect the public from and educate people on. And it really is a great example of what reform could be when it's done the right way. Um, just on, on the more side of the healthcare side, of course, right? Like I'm, I'm talking now for the movement that CrossFit has always stood for in regards to true education, pulling people away from the public health system, health insurance, what we're dying from, which is chronic disease and killing ourselves. Uh, but the point is that there's a lot of things to consider. And even like you bring up, John, it's like, you know, I, I'm sad that affiliate affiliate owners have to make this decision, but really it comes down to them having very honest conversations with their members, right? Like okay. letting them know that I love you and I support you. Um, but also sharing that, listen, if I lose this affiliation, potentially my reach and effect on the, the lives that I'm responsible for changing have the opportunity to change and could minimize drastically. And I think even about that as a role as a black man, right? If I'm here today and maybe I lose my job because of the opinion that I'm going to share here with HQ. And if that's the case, I'm okay with that. 
right? But if I were to just walk away mindfully because of something that one person said, and now I take away my opportunity to touch hundreds and thousands of lives to go teach this level one seminar and allow those people to go touch hundreds and thousands of lives, is it worth it? Should I give Greg Glassman and his comments that much power? Because I think affiliates should ask that question. Because yeah, does it matter for you to stand up? Absolutely. And should you be able to draw the line and say, I don't align with this. I don't stand for this, but here's who we are and here's what we do. I think that's really important for people to be able to share. And it's hard to do that, of course, because a lot of it's going to get blurred and you might get some people that walk into your affiliate and they're like, Hey, so I heard you don't like black people. What's up with that? Right? Like there might be some very uncomfortable (laughs) conversations to have, but it's stuff that we have to truly consider. And I think about this as a minority and go through the history. Like think about other blacks in the history of being called the N word or being called a racial slur or, having them have a friend or have a boss that used that word. If we just completely shut everyone off and walked away and said, right, there would be no place. There'd be no place for us. Right. So through history, just that, that natural and immediate response to just shut down and quit something because it doesn't align with you. That is definitely not how we've had success throughout these years. That's not how we've had the change that we've had. It's not how we have, how how we've had the growth that we have had either. Um, So, you know, I just think that that's something to consider. And of course I can get rolling. So that's my (laughs) thoughts on that. Yeah, I I totally, I totally agree. And I think what's hard in terms of finding the right path and figuring out what's right for for you as an individual or you as an affiliate owner is that on both sides of of that type of an argument, people speak so um, like solidly. People say one way or another definitively, like if I have, if I pay this affiliation fee, it goes straight to Gleg. Greg Glassman, like definitively. And on the other side, they say, like you said, you know, like I'm touching lives and he's not the one here coaching my members and he's not the one here when they need a shoulder to cry on. And, you know, I can do more having this name because however many of my members don't even know or care who he is, they just want to live healthier lives. And so that doesn't matter to me. And, And both sides are so definitive. Like there is no real flow of information on what's true. And there really is no kind of like hearing each other across the aisle either, which makes it tough. So let me ask a, a, your opinion on something then. Cause you like, my brain is firing at a thousand miles no. an hour. Now <laughs> you've, you've brought up so many good points, but uh, the thing I've really been struggling with, you've actually helped me resolve one thing I was struggling with. So thank you for that. And we'll talk about it off the air. But uh, the thing, one thing I've been struggling with is striking conversation within CrossFit. CrossFitters are really, kind of, I feel like our community is really kind of locked into, Hey, I like it the way it is. Mm-hmm. Don't rock the boat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've been talking, uh, you know, I've been talking on the page and we've been talking on the podcast about a diversity problem within CrossFit. And if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times, probably 10,000 times. If people wanted to come here, they'd come here. Right. Which is code for, I like it the way it is. Don't make me work harder. And I want to work. Right. Like it's just, it's, or well, I think it's just code for, I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah, exactly. I'm not doing anything wrong. Like, you know, why should I have to do more? Um, how do we, how do we get people more open to the conversation of you're not doing anything wrong, buddy, but this would benefit you. This would benefit all of us. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. Tell me what you mean. Like, are we speaking specifically on the issue of race, like present within CrossFit gyms and boxes or uh, yeah, not the games. Definitely not the games. I mean, certainly, I certainly. You know, I think it, in boxes, at least I can speak for Ohio. That's my center of influence, right? Uh, okay. Every every box I've been in Ohio looks just like this. Yes. You know, kind of middle aged white guys. Uh, it's like a little country club, uh, and you know, there's no one's keeping anybody out the door. You know, we're not standing out there telling, "Hey, you can't come in here." Like ever, it's always welcoming and fun and exciting. 
but everybody looks like me, you know, and, and bluntly, like every gym I've been in, I've been in dozens of gyms. They mostly look like me, you know, and I have some theories as to why that is. I just think that, you know, the, the, the business of CrossFit chronic, you know, fixing chronic health and making people healthy will be better long-term if we take advantage of the melting pot, that's the United States, like the country's getting more diverse, not less diverse. Um, you know, people are coming here every day and I think everybody wants to be healthy. I've never met anyone that said, you know what, I'd really like to be overweight and feel bad about myself all day long. Like every time I talk to people, they're like, I wish I could go to the gym with you. And I'm like, come on, let's go. Like, come on. You know, I, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out like, how do we get gyms to understand, to do that outreach and to start, you know, just fostering the conversation as opposed to, Hey, we're not doing anything wrong. It's good as it is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So you bring up, I mean, this is, this topic right here could go for hours. Right. But mm -hmm. I'm going to do my best to kind of give you guys my opinion. And, and first and foremost is I think it starts with um, who runs the gym, who owns the gym, who's coaching at the gym. Right. If you, if you can build a little bit more diversity within the staff, if that's possible, it's always going to invite more diversity from off the street. Um, secondly, it's really educating yourself and understanding the history of African-Americans in the United States in general. And yeah, I'm talking, go read some books, go, go uh, educate yourself on the process that we went through and the challenges from 1865 when slavery ended, which of course, you know, most people who are in their own world. And again, that's okay. I understand. Please allow yourself to be awakened and open your mind and open your eyes to currently where we're at. You need to go back and study a little bit from 1865 onward for the next 50 to 60 years. And then after that, for the next 50 to 60 years. And after that, right, there's these chunks of time where small changes and transitions have made. But you really have to understand the culture at its root, where it came from to get us to where we're at now. And the reason is because that will take a particular kind of communication and education on how, why, why, why should blacks be worried about their health? Why should they come to you to do that? Right. Um, because I can tell you that for the most part, a lot of our society, a lot of our culture is simply worried about the nine to five and making the ends meet. So how can they find time to go to a gym that costs them $200 a month, $250, $300 a month? How is that economically possible? And why would they, right? Especially if they're only the only ones that, that are going into that community of two, two to 300, they might even feel a little out of place or a little alone. So I think that there have to be some innovative things that owners and, and gym managers and coaches are doing in order to expose uh, minorities to it. And a lot of it could be literally, like I mentioned, uh, hiring from within you know, a, a diverse culture. So it's like, hey, we're, we're really going to try to do our best to, to find a black coach and a Hispanic coach and really make this as multiracial as possible because that's what's going to invite uh, off the street. And then secondly is, you know, um, this, is, this is not going to be the popular opinion at all, but it's like, are you willing to do a special three-month month package for someone that walks in your door? Mm -hmm. Right. And black, blacks are prideful individuals. They might be like, well, I don't want your special deal if you're not offering it to everyone else. But here's the thing is like, they need that to understand why they might want to come to that gym, right? It's like, we talk about reparations sometimes and people are like, well, for slavery, we deserve reparations or we deserve, but sometimes it's hard. And you guys know this, every human has pride and it's hard mm -hmm. to take handouts and hand-me-downs or whatever it might be. So in regards to the fitness community, sometimes it might take a, 
hey, I'm going to give you a couple months free or I'm going to give you a couple weeks free to come test my gym out. And I want you to see if this is a good fit for you. And I'm going to explain to you why, you know, this is what these movements are going to do for your body. We're going to have nutrition talks. I'm going to educate you on getting your, you know, blood pressure down and helping you avoid uh, diabetes and, and even providing them statistical data, which there's plenty of, if you just look it on the Google of how African-Americans and blacks in the United States are killing themselves with how they fuel their body. Mm-hmm. Simply alone, bottom line, right? We don't need to talk about the exercise they're doing. We need to talk about how they're fueling their body and what they're putting in their body. And again, from a culture perspective, this is the demographic that gets all the marketing. This is the cheapest food that you can buy. This right. is what they have in the grocery stores and in the gas stations that are present in the culture and in the areas that they live in, right? So if they live in subsidized housing or if they do, you know, if you live in what you call the projects, like that's, that's what is around you. Those are the resources. That's what everyone else is eating. That's what you grew up eating, right? It's, it's, it's a very sad truth to think that the reason uh, the black culture is more represented within CrossFit has a lot more to do with where we came from than even necessarily where we're going. It's not necessarily the gym owners are always doing the wrong thing. It's just like the, they're not thinking outside of the box enough, right? It's not thinking about how can we support this particular group of people who have certainly been uh, a very, uh, to be honest with you, a downtrodden group throughout the history of our society. Right. Like think about, again, coming from slavery, being shipped here. And then all of a sudden these rules, yeah, you get some freedom, but you can't work. Yeah, You get some freedom, but you can't have a job. Oh, and if you go to jail, you can never vote. And then, right, like there's just so many things that we have to understand. And I'm again, the list is so long. um, There's no clear answer for me to just come out and say, oh, well, this is an easy solve. This is what you do. But understanding and having these conversations is a part of that concept. And I really strongly believe, and this is coming from an African-American man here or a black man, that uh, if you have some people in your gym, in, on your staff that kind of look like me, and I'm, and I'm kind of maybe up uh, uneasy about strangers or uneasy about being the only black guy, then, then it helps me, right? And then maybe I can grab a couple more of my friends and they can come too. And then all of a sudden we do have more di- diversity and then we can have more conversations and now there is this bond between black and white and brown and yellow in the gym. And it starts to look a little bit more like our streets, especially there in Columbus, right? Or, or in Ohio in general. It's like, that's shocking to me to hear that that's the way the CrossFit community looks there. I'm here in Utah. It's a lot more common uh, because of the fact that that's what the state kind of looks like, right? Like I am certainly a minority here. Um, but even at our CrossFit gym in North Salt Lake, we've got a few black uh, athletes, and the one at Wasatch CrossFit that I ran before were relatively close to an Air Force base. So we had a pretty relatively diverse culture there where we had a couple black families coming and going throughout that time, too. But, um, yeah, I get it. I get it, John. And it's, I think it's a concern, something that should be a topic in most most communities. I'd love to see that be a topic at HQ. I mean, you're talking about, you know, let's increase minority ownership or coaches like let's attack the level one. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm kind of mm-hmm. with you, you know, what you said earlier, like people are prideful and just tell someone, hey, I'm going to give you two months for you to join. Like it might hurt your pride, but if I could get the level one for 500 bucks instead of a thousand, I'd be pretty, I wouldn't be prideful at all. I'd take it. But I think we could encourage, uh, you know, minority ownership. I, I hate to use the word subsidized, but that's what it is. Like subsidize the level one, you know, 500 bucks instead of a thousand or 750, like whatever it is to encourage those owners to start hiring people. Cause there is a cost to that hiring, you know, of the level one. Um, I think even, even taking, doing the work it takes to do that outreach is like the, the biggest step one to me, like right. whether or not you're offering a free three month 
you know, membership or, or you're subsidizing something or, you know, or you're just saying like, Hey, this is me. And I run this gym and I'd love to have you like doing the work it takes to research where those people are. Like you can't invite someone into your gym for three months until you find them and reach out to them and do the work to explain yourself. And, and who are these people and where are they in your community and how close are they to your gym? And, and, and what are they doing? You know, where do they live? What do they do for work? Where do their kids go to school? Like just, just doing the work to find the folks in those communities and reaching out and introducing yourself, I think is a great step one that I would love to see that that would be cool. It would be really cool to see more gym owners being like, Hey, that community right there. I know I don't have anyone from over there. How do I get to right. that? What's the best yeah. way to communicate with them? Yeah. And even, and even having an honest perspective of like, okay, Hey, you know, what is the black to white ratio in let's say Salt Lake city. Okay. Let's find that. Why doesn't our gym reflect that ratio? Right. Ask that question and then maybe go about means like you're mentioning, get to know the community, get to know where the minorities live, where, where what schools do they go to and, and try to promote to them to, to invite them to be a part of your community. Right. I talked to somebody from Salt Lake last night. Actually, I was going live and we were talking, this was the topic actually. And, and I said to him, I'm like, look, I've, I'm not Mormon. I've never been in a Mormon church before. I'm like, if I went, you know, I was raised Southern Baptist and, you know, I went to church every day of my life as a, or every Sunday of my life as a kid. And, and if I went to a Mormon church, I would probably be highly uncomfortable because it'd be the only time oh, yeah. I've ever been there. I'm surrounded by Mormons. I wouldn't know what to expect, you know? And so I, in my heart, I have to believe that anyone setting foot in a gym that doesn't look like me probably feels uncomfortable when everyone looks like me, but them, you know, and, and, and that's, so I'm loving your, just absolutely loving the idea of, you know, how do we hire more coaches, more owners, you know, getting involved. I think that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not Mormon either. And I've been in a, I've been in a couple Mormon services or, and, and gone to a couple of their gatherings. Cause I got some friends that are Mormon, of course. And, it's it's funny because what you're, the correlation that you make sometimes is pretty accurate because of the fact that like uh, you know most of the guys kind of roll into church there and they look a certain way because they dress a particular way, mm-hmm. got a button up and a tie and that kind of thing. And I don't really dress like that for <laughs> church, so you know when I showed up, I did feel a little bit out of place. Aside from the race thing, I like, but yeah, you that was a good that was a good comparison. Guys, this is me in every church ever. Yeah, <laughs> I've been in a bunch of different churches lately. Real awkward when you got to ask what everything is. What's that thing? What's that thing they're eating? What's that that thing they're drinking? What's that cup over there? What are they saying? What are we now? We stand now. We sit. Welcome to my life. Uh, I've been to a couple of those too. Yeah. What are we doing? I had a a couple back to back this year. I had uh, had one of both co people that work for me. One guy got married and he's Catholic, and I hadn't been in a Catholic church in decades. And it, you know what? It has not changed a lick in 15 (laughs) years. It is exactly the same as it was 15 years ago. And then a young woman who works for me, her father passed away and she's African-American. I went to the funeral and I've never been to a black funeral. And that was a trip. I mean, funerals aren't fun, but man, like, again, I'm the only white guy in the room and everyone was so nice to me. And this guy comes over and talks to me. He looked just like CeeLo Green. I'm not making fun of him. He was just big, like he was a big dude <laughs> nice. wearing, a, wearing a purple suit, yes. big bald head, you know, looked just like him. He came over, shook my hand and you know, you know, thank me for being there. Made me feel so welcome. I'm like, man, this is like the craziest thing. People walk around in slides or dressed up or sweatpants. Like there was no rhyme or reason to it. It was great. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. Just come as you are. Yeah. It I was want uh, my funeral to be like someday. That's just what I said. That's party. what I said. Like, you know, I grew up in like kind of a stuffy environment, you know, from, from a church standpoint. And I was in there going, man, this should, I hope this is my funeral. People just rolling in in sweatpants or dressed up or whatever they want. Just come in because they loved you, you know? It was great. That's right. 
It was really cool. So what do we do? Like, where do we go from here? I feel like we're in this like great divide and I'm just waiting to see where the chips fall. And I have this, you know, I have my preferences where if I could just pick however I wanted things to shake out from here, that we would somehow find a way to like move forward together and reconcile and get all the affiliates to just hug each other and be CrossFit again. And, but CrossFit in a really good way with, you know, a push for diversity and, And I just don't think that is very realistic, all things considering, but like, what do we, where do we go from here? What do we do? That's a great question. And I wish I knew the answer to that. I I thought you would have it. Solve the world's problems, Adrian. Come on, man. Hey, listen, I I would love to be a part of the solution one day. I I will turn 35 Mm. this year. So I'll be eligible for presidency in 2024. So maybe we can talk more then. Um, Conway 2024. (laughs) I'm in. I'm here for it. Do you need a VP? Because I think I'm in. Hey, I I don't have a formal running mate quite yet. So I just just like to say I'm old like Biden. So if you need a running mate, I'm your guy. I'll be your VP. Okay. (laughs) Can we both? Can it be like Conway? It'd be perfect. I have it it all going, man. I'm, I'm old. I'm a little senile. It'd be perfect. It'd be great. Mm. It'd be some great balance for sure. It's yes. True. I say a lot of dumb stuff. It'd be awesome. <laughs> I guess we need a little bit of the old school in there. Just mix it right in. Yeah. Mix it, mix it right in. <laughs> no, no. Listen, I, I think that, um, that we're all honestly kind of leading the way here with, with where we go. Right. And I don't mean that I have a conclusion, but I think that the conversation is the necessary part. Then I think that what happens with CrossFit and the HQ and, and, and their side is going to be greatly dictated on the next you know, about four to six weeks, yeah. you know, and, and, and how quickly can we see a difference with the changing of hands as, with Davis CEO? Um, you know, what kind of changes does that look like? How public are they being with, with changing those things? Can we get some engagement and interaction? I mean, I want to see someone's face. I want to hear their words. I want to connect with them. And I think that's what a lot of the community is waiting for as well. Um, maybe you guys can find your way in and get an interview. I don't know, but see, like, I think, I think that's the, when I think that's the kind of thing that we need is we need a formal sit down. We need, we need an opportunity for people to be very honest. Um, They need to be able to take some questions and tackle them headlong, straight ahead, uh, face to the camera, to an audience, you know, whatever it might be. Um, But having those difficult, uncomfortable conversations on what the community can reflect going forward, what the community means going forward and how we can even maybe solve some of this, racial imbalance within the CrossFit community. And maybe HQ will come with some ideas. If they ever reached out to me, I would do my very best to to provide them with as much of that as I could. Um, And even if it meant like, hey, we're going to scholarship some level ones. Um, We're going to do whatever whatever we can to kind of change almost that face uh, to allow our culture, especially here in the States, to really reflect the culture of the States. Um, but, but I don't know what everyone else is going to do. You see, and that's the hard part. Cause I think it's a lot up in the air on regards to, uh, you know, if, how many, if, or how many affiliates are going to return, um, are they going to eat their humble pie and want to return? Will they make that public? Uh, will they be able to balance the demand of their clients coming in and saying, listen, if you guys go back to being a, an affiliate, I'm going to walk, um, mm-hmm. and, and what that looks like. And then of course, we're going to have some competition rise, right? We're going to see some of these guys that have been, creating multiple gym locations 
throughout their history, and they're going to start to have their own affiliation and certificate courses and things that allow people to have the autonomy to or the option to walk away from CrossFit. Right. And if that is the case, then guess what? CrossFit has to double down and be even better and right. show the reason that those people shouldn't walk away. So this conversation and this transparency becomes even more important for them if they want to have success. It will be wild someday if we, you know, there's going to be competition regardless. Like, like you said, affiliates are already starting in, in other respects. And I don't know whether, gonna, whether or not we all sort of like refer to ourselves someday as this conglomerate of what functional fitness or, or whatever we call it. There's going to be great athletes who are doing this type of workout outside of the realm of CrossFit in the future. And it will be wild if we get back to some competitive sport, you know, like we get to the CrossFit games and someone on the podium is like, not a quote unquote CrossFitter. We're not going to like leave them out. If you qualify through the open, you qualify through the open. But like, if you don't go to a CrossFit gym, it's going to be back. Like in the days when we would put, um, like on the broadcast, we'd put your gym name, or sometimes if you were just like still working out in your garage and like you had no gym name, it was just kind of like unaffiliated. Right. Like, is that what we just write from now on? It'll be It'll be bizarre to see how it all unfolds for sure. I know. I know. As, and you know what? A part of me, I mean, and I'm just, this is just my brain working it. A part of me wouldn't mind the CrossFit Games not being called the CrossFit Games. Oh, interesting. Right? And, and, and the reason I say that is because I do believe, like what Greg has shared in the past, is that I believe that it's a completely different thing. Right. You brought up that it would be shocking or, or how crazy would it be if someone won the games that didn't do CrossFit? Well, people have been winning the games for like the last 10 years that haven't been doing CrossFit. Hmm. Right. And what I mean is that they're, they're doing constantly very functional movements and high intensity. Of course, they're not doing nothing like the main site. Oh, right. Totally. And, and they're coming right. back to do three to four workouts a day. And if CrossFit is the main site of CrossFit is constantly very functional movements. And, and even now we see variance in intensity. Right. By prescription. Um, we look at like these holds and these isometric contractions and these leg lifts and these progressions that HQ now even releases from a dot com perspective. It's 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 different and it's certainly not what they want to be echoing to the community as this is what Matt Fraser does in his garage because it's not right. He's trying to compete to be the fittest man in the history, right? That's what this guy's got on his back coming up this year. The fittest man in history is what he's chasing. Mm-hmm. So what he demands of his body is certainly not what I demand of my body in my current state of fitness. Um, it's because I, I don't want my knees to ache and I want to play with my kids and roll around on the floor and do these right. things. And when I, when I'm competing, I can't do those things. Right. I, of course my fitness level rises, but then like my, I need to warm up to do an air squat type feeling is how I feel when right. I'm really, really fit. Sadly, I don't, maybe that means I'm doing it the wrong way, but you get the idea. <laughs> I think it just means you're getting older. <laughs> <laughs> that too. That too. We'll have that conversation another time. <laughs> But, but, but do you know what I'm saying? And do you follow me? Like with that conversation, it's kind of like, that would be cool. Maybe it's, maybe it does need to be something different and called something different. Um, now with Davis CEO, I, again, now we're, I'm kind of relapping and talking over myself, but I want to see that man back on stage, like releasing the workouts for the open. And I want to see him pop up more often because that's what I know. And that's what got me excited to do the open. That's what got my affiliate members excited to do the open. So, you know, it leaves me optimistic for the future with him. Um, but I also worry about how much will be controlled from the top. I know. I know. And I do hear what you're saying. Like, I understand that it's not, it's hard to call it the same thing when we're preaching a very specific methodology in the affiliates, the boots on the ground that are helping people one hour a day, just take back control of their lives through health and fitness and wellness. And I understand that it's not, you can't say it's the same thing as 
what Matt Fraser does every day to get as good as he does. But the fact that the core principles are the same and the fact that whether it takes me 10 minutes and you two minutes, we both hurt the same when we do Fran. Mm -hmm. Like mm-hmm. that, calling that, that the same thing, referring to it under the same name and knowing that the people on the podium come from affiliates that are just like mine, they might be in there for six hours a day, even though I'm only in there for 45 minutes a day. <laughs> but it just, it, I don't know, it made, it, it drew a connection that I appreciated in the same way that like, you know, if I have a kid someday, I might enroll him or her in gymnastics classes. And I know that that's not what the people at the Olympics are doing, but it's still the same sport to me. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Absolutely. I like no, it. no, I can, I completely agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you to that, to that tangent for sure. Well, I hope, I hope Dave can pull the, uh, at least a significant number of the affiliates back in, but I hope so too. But I do think competition is a good thing. I mean, I'm a capitalist at heart. Like I think, you know, if they all broke off and went to whoever will just make up a name rhymes with Kalipa and say they end up there, you know, if, if they all end Mason up under Shmalipa. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> Shalipa, if they end up there, um, you know, 1500 gyms doing basically the same thing forces, forces HQ to provide better products and services to their members. It just does. Like, you know, we, we mentioned this on our podcast last night. It's no different than Verizon and AT&T or competing airlines or just name the businesses that go head to head. And I trust Dave. Like, I love your, your, your thoughts of Dave. Like, and I, I really hope he's successful. I mean, I like him a lot. He seems I don't really know him, but then people I've talked to that know him and sounds like you do, you know, kind of have the same opinion of him. Like he's smart, funny, hardworking, you know, doesn't let stuff get past him. Um, you and I are completely in one accord though. Too much power for one person is really dangerous. I would love to see a board to keep him in check. Not because I don't trust him. I think powerful people need that. They really need, they need somebody to tell them no. And ultimately I think that's been, the, if, if I could say there was one dysfunction at HQ that caused this mess, that was it. Greg one surrounded. Yeah. Greg surrounded by yes, men, people mm-hmm. that did not have the guts or the gumption to tell him no. And he could do whatever he want. And you do that long enough. You then think you can say anything you want at any time. Mm-hmm. And I hope that Dave's got people in his corner right now that are willing to say, Hey Dave, you need to think again about your decision or, and, and as they're doing that, putting a board in place that will help keep that in check. Cause I think it'll be good for him because he is a good leader and he will be a good leader given that opportunity. But. I completely agree. And, and, I, and I even want to just echo that the fact that in, in my personal opinion, um, for what it's worth as a member of, of HQ seminar staff since 2013, if, if our leadership uh, meaning with Davis CEO, with a board next to him that reflects the the 200, uh, which I'll still stand by as the best trainers in the entire world. If that board reflects those 200, we'll be in a great place as a community, guaranteed. You'll have we'll, we'll have we'll have more touch points with uh, that that leadership group. We'll have more touch points with Davis the CEO. But more importantly, yes, there will be accountability. And to me, this speaks right to his background as a SEAL, right? He had great success as a leader and as a teacher with the SEALs. And um, I know that's not something that he talks about a ton personally. But the point is, is that, that that really is where he thrived the most is when he was surrounded by people that were like-minded that, you know, took care of what they were responsible for and then checked in with each other, you know, and circled back to make sure that they were all working toward that same goal. And I think clearly, like you mentioned, that's that seems to be what what it could could potentially have been missing from the top down. I know those teams did exist, but they were of course all under uh, Greg kind of calling every single shot uh, that went out, and even of course many of those shots were called without any 
um, communication whatsoever until after those shots were already called, which broke a lot of our hearts. And I think that's a lot of the big gap now that's created between the games and what CrossFit is trying to trying to be. Yeah. Right. But I'm with you. And, and I said this the other night as well, just from, and I I've worked alongside Dave doing games type things. Obviously I'm just always associated with the broadcast. So I don't have a ton of experience with him personally. Um, but just from what I've seen, I have so much respect for him for how he organizes and executes on this one thing, this one little thing that he works all year to perfect and changes at the very last second, he will change things to the benefit of the athletes and the spectators and the event itself. And I just, the way that I have seen him prioritize, and I know that this is his world and I know the athletes mean everything to him. And I know the community means everything to him. I just have, I have a lot of confidence in him and faith in him. And I'm excited to see what he's able to do with this, just given how hard I know he will work to make it amazing for us. Like it's not, he's not just doing it for himself. No. And that's what I think like people who are really, um, really critical of him right now, by the way, are people who don't know him, like the community at large, who is like, Dave is CEO. One of like, nobody knows him. You have no idea how he operates. Like give the guy a chance, but like, remember he's not going to get out there and do this to his benefit. Like he's going to get out there and do the very best job he can for us for the community, for the people who want this to survive and who want, you know, CrossFit as a, as a healthcare, you know, kind of program to survive and who want it as a elite sport to survive. Like all of us, we're all in this together. We all want it to succeed. So I just really hope we can stop being jerks to each other, (laughs) give people the benefit of the doubt, stop trying to chop down people like this podcast, if you disagree with it or the morning chalk up, because you don't like the way they wrote about something. Everybody is in here because we want this to live in one way, shape, or form together. Rant over. Thank you for coming well, to my talk. To be fair, Nikki, I bring a lot of the hate <laughs> on myself. I love so. it. Uh, yeah. You do, but you mean well. Hey, look, I'm just trying to spark conversation. I think a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people miss the point that satire is designed to make you ask a question. That's all it is. Like I'm just trying to people ask the question. Adrian asked the question of the night. Like I did a, a meme on Greg and Dave and the point of it was, you know, it was, the girl was holding two pictures and it had both of their names on it on each one. And at the bottom it said, Oh, it's the same picture. And so everybody's like, you're not giving Dave a chance. I'm like, no, I want to know what's different. Tell me what's going to be different. Tell me what's different under Dave. I'm not, not giving him a chance. I need an explanation. What I didn't tell them is I'm happy for it to take, you know, six months. Like it, it doesn't need to be tomorrow. Like, you know, he doesn't need to write a manifesto directly to me. I mean, it'd be nice if he did, but He's not going to. It would be cool <laughs> if he came on the show. It would be. Get him on the show, Adrian. You know him. Can just you pick, call him? Just Can you call tell him. Tell him that we love him and that we would really love to hear from him. We're scared of him. Could you call also him? Also a little nice. bit scared of him, yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think I think it would be great to get him on the show. I, he might he might show some loyalty to some seminar staff members if he's going to start to get in public first. So yeah, he might have point. to be, take second fiddle to like uh, Julie or um, maybe Austin Meliello and those guys if they're what do they got the soapbox I think. But yeah, uh, hey, they're do, pretty I great. Do, I guess I could do my okay. best for you guys. Yeah, I'd, I'd <laughs> do right. my best. I, I certainly would. And yeah, I think like you said, it's it's up to it's up to them and it's up to HQ and it's up to Dave to kind of show us. And Dave does have some great charismatic leadership abilities, but he's not perfect either. Sure. And that's the reason that I think it's important to have a team that surrounds him that keeps him honest, holds him accountable. Um, because like you mentioned, Nikki, and you've seen this uh in the scenario of the CrossFit games is uh Dave has an ability to lead where, you know, people uh 
you know, he doesn't need to be terribly loud. He doesn't need to be terribly boisterous, but people will rise the occasion for him. And that leadership is both powerful um, and dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it's about kind of having that balance. And I think that he could be a great leader for this community if, if those things are provided for him. So I'm, again, I'm, I'm optimistic and I'm, and I'm glad he's getting the opportunity as well. Same. I just hope that we can all sort of remember to be human as we move forward in this, however the chips fall, because ain't nobody going to be perfect. People going to mess up and it's going to be, I, I fear that it's going to be the kind of thing where the first misstep or the first, or the, you shouldn't have said, you know, when you misspelled this word and you forgot the comma and the punctuation, it was like little, little things people are going to jump all over. And, and I, I just hope that we can sort of step back, remember to be human, remember there are humans on all sides of all of these arguments and just work together to make something better. Well, I'm more hopeful after this podcast than I was coming in. So thank you, Adrian. Yeah. Yeah. Your perspective is great. I I mean, I hope so. I had a little couple of down moments today. I'm not going to lie. Like I've, you know, I've, and not that I think CrossFit's dying. I just like, I'm kind of like Nikki, like I, I'm just getting really tired of watching people fight about it. And, and, and I want to see people come back and be happy. And so your perspectives made me feel better that, you know, this, we certainly have that opportunity and it's, I think it can come quick. So thank you. Very, very good perspective. So thank you. I try to, I try to hold on to it. I mean, you know, I, I get to be surrounded by some great people. I, we, we co-founded FNX in 2017 and the whole premise behind that was to create something for people to stand beside and stand behind. And it's like our, I got on a t-shirt right now and it says rise. And, and one of our big hashtags with our ambassadors and our culture is rise together. And, and it's something that we echo from the top down in our company every single day. And it's like, if you're fortunate, and I think I posted this all, honestly, it might be a, a re, re, repeat of my post earlier today, but if you're fortunate, if you're blessed, like look to your left and your right and, and, and then look down and, and think about what you can do to help someone else rise to your level. Because too much of a society, and I know we're capitalists and trust me, I, I love, I love my side of that too. I like to, I like to compete and I like to try to get one over on competition often, but it's important to think about lifting others as you go. And, and, and the people that rise the highest are the ones that lift others as they go. So that's, that's really our goal and what I'm trying to do on a day to day basis. I think that's what we're called to do as humans. So yeah, let's just keep being better humans. That's amazing. Well, Nikki, I can't top that. So nope. I think we're going to, we're going to end on a high note. Adrian, thank you so much for being on. Uh, you're a gentleman. We certainly appreciate it. Nikki, excellent as always. You don't have to see me for a couple of days, so you're lucky. Uh, Are you sure? I bet something will happen. We'll just decide to hop back on here. Yeah, something happens tomorrow. We'll jump back on. But fingers crossed, we have a quiet weekend, and, yeah. and we'll take a few days off. And, yeah, you guys deserve some rest. Yeah, and we, we have a lot of episodes booked, so it's not like people listening aren't going to get to hear more stuff anyway. So. Yeah. Uh, And to that point, we appreciate everybody listening, guys. Thanks for hanging in there with us, and uh, we will talk to you all soon.